The Old Testament reading for this morning, as well as the basis for this morning's message, comes from the book of 2 Samuel, beginning in the sixth chapter at the first verse. It is written, David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. And then all the people departed, each to his own house. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Help us to pay attention with all of our senses. Make our dancing faithful. Help us to take the risks that are a part of letting you lead. Pull us back into your rhythms. Clean our hearts, purify our hands, and steady our feet, that we might know and share your blessings. Open our ears, our minds, and our hearts to your word for us this day. Amen. Nestled in the mountains of Vermont, in the town of Rupert, is a 200-year-old church. And a man named Howard Mudgett has written a history of this church, and in it, he recalls in 1831 that the citizens of Rupert first added a steeple and a bell to their church. But something unusual happened that day. When the steeple was added, Mudgett writes, one agile Lyman Woodard stood on his head in the belfry with his feet towards heaven. Now, not much else is known about Lyman Woodard. He's remembered only for the minor stunt that he pulled over 175 years ago. He took a small risk and did something that must have been somewhat embarrassing to the members of that church. After all, New Englanders are not supposed to act like that. 
But Lyman was so excited about the improvement to his church that he had to find some way to express it. In essence, he was celebrating a victory for his God. Now in our story for today, David has just been crowned the king of Israel. He's defeated the Philistines. He's recaptured the fortress of Zion. And he's now bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. It had to be one of the greatest days of his life. Samuel reminds us, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Please hear this this morning. When you get all excited about God, don't expect everyone else to get excited about your excitement. Because when the Holy Spirit fires you up, it disrupts the status quo. Now some folks will be flat out inspired about what God is doing in your life. Others, though, will be convicted. And they'll try to hide their conviction by trying to find something about what is going on with you to criticize. Nine times out of ten, criticism is a defense mechanism. We criticize in others what we really don't like about ourselves. Now McCall isn't quite finished. 2 Samuel 6.20 says that David went on home then to bless his own family, and McCall says how the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself before the eyes of his servants, his female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Now here's something that I think is really cool about David. He is not afraid of looking foolish. He isn't afraid of taking off his royal robes and dancing without inhibitions before the crowd of people, but more importantly, before the Lord. Think about it for a minute. David was the newly crowned king of Israel, and I think he might have felt extra pressure to look and be and act like a king. He had his reputation to protect, a crown to represent, and kings, they just don't strip off and dance. Maybe shepherd boys do, but not kings. And no one knew that better than David's first wife, Michal. You see, she was a king's kid. She had grown up in the palace. She knew how royalty was supposed to behave. And I'm really guessing that Saul was very kingly, all pomp and circumstancy. So I do think that this is quite a big deal. These royal robes and the crown, they symbolize David's new position of power and authority. Yet he refused to find his identity and authority in his new position as king. He still found his identity and authority centered firmly in his own relationship with God. Read his Psalms. David sang, the Lord is my refuge, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shield. David was not afraid of looking foolish. And David replies to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. 
and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself even more contemptible than this, David says. And you know, I need to tell you this morning that I don't think God cares two wits about outward appearances at all. I don't think it matters if you're wearing a three-piece suit or rags you found somewhere cheap. I think what God is looking for is people who are desperate enough to climb sycamore trees or cut holes in other people's roofs or push through crowds and yell at the top of their lungs and jump out of boats just to get to Jesus. You know, one of the words for worship in Hebrew is halal. And it means clamorously foolish. In other words, if you aren't willing to be a bit foolish, you aren't really able to worship. But think about it. Worship really is a bit foolish, isn't it? Singing to someone you can't see, raising your hands to someone that you can't touch. Stop and think about it. But... Have you ever been one or seen a person dancing in their car? You see their heads bouncing or their body swaying. And if they're really into it, their whole car is rocking. And they look kind of foolish, don't they? Why? Because you can't hear the music. There's an old proverb, those who hear not the music think the dancer is mad. And that's what's happening in our story for this morning, isn't it? David hears the music, McCall doesn't. So I ask you, who's crazy? What I do know is this. If we had better hearing and could truly hear the music of God that constantly surrounds us, we would dance like David danced before the ark. David took off his royal robes. Now that's a picture of worship. Worship is taking off the clothes that we always hide ourselves behind. It's exposing ourselves to God. It's also about realizing that it's not about what we can do for God. It is only and always about what God has done for us. I really think the greatest freedom in the world is just having nothing at all to prove. And instead of trying to prove who he now was, the king of Israel, David was all about embracing who God is, the king of kings. In his book, The Life You Always Wanted, John Orpberg writes, and I quote, some time ago, I was giving a bath to our three children. I had a custom of bathing together more to save time than anything else. I knew that eventually I would have to stop our group bathing, but for the time being, it seemed efficient. Now, Johnny was still in the tub. Laura was safely out and in her pajamas, and I was trying to get Mallory dried off. Mallory was out of the water, but was doing what has come to be known in our family as the D-Da-Day dance. This consists of running around in circles, singing over and over again, D-Da-Day, D-Da-Day. It was a relatively simple dance expressing great joy. 
when she is too happy to hold it in any longer, when words are inadequate to give voice to her euphoria, she has to dance to release her joy. So she does the dee-da-day. On this particular occasion, I was irritated. Mallory, hurry, I prodded, so she did. She began running in circles faster and faster and chanting dee-da-day more rapidly. No, Mallory, that's not what I mean. Stop with the dee-da-day stuff and get over here so I can dry you off. Hurry. And then she asked the most profound question. Why? I had no answer. I had nowhere to go, nothing to do, no meetings to attend, no sermons to write. I was just so used to hurrying, so preoccupied with my own little agenda, so trapped in this rut of moving from one task to another, that here was life, here was joy, here was an invitation to the dance right in front of me, and I was missing it. So I got up, and Mallory and I did the dee-da-day dance together. It's a beautiful story. Kids just aren't so self-conscious, folks. Jesus said, you must become like little children if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. You must become like little children if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I think that this is one dimension of that. We need to become less self-conscious, more like little children. You see, David, he was just intoxicated with God. His dance, it was just divine madness. He takes off his royal robes. He leaves all of his inhibitions. He dances out of pure joy before God. And I submit to you this morning that I believe some of the greatest moments in our lives are those moments when we just lose our own self-consciousness. When we can forget about ourselves and set ourselves free. It's almost like an out-of-body experience. And those times when we can do that, I believe, are just glimpses of what heaven will be like. Pure, unadulterated joy. And sometimes, you just have to dance. Amen.